G'day, it's Manny here, and in this episode, I'm going to be looking at Hong Kong. I'm going to give you an overview of the Hong Kong real estate market, its projected performance, and finally, some key driving factors. Let's dive in. Hong Kong is one of the most expensive real estate markets in the world. In fact, it is the second most expensive in the entire world with an average cost of $4,500 per square foot. It only comes second to Monaco, which has an average cost of $5,000 per square foot. The home ownership rate sits around 50%. This is lower than the average seen in other advanced countries of around 60%. Furthermore, if we look at people aged below 35, then the home ownership rate falls to approximately 8%. 23 years ago, this figure was 22%. This explains the hopelessness that young people in Hong Kong repeatedly talk about, in the sense that buying a flat is unachievable for them. There are three key segments for the market. About 55% live in private housing, about 30% live in public housing and about 15% live in subsidized private housing. You might be wondering why there is a greater proportion of public housing in Hong Kong compared to other cities. This stems back to the 1950s where Hong Kong saw a surge in population which led to shanty towns and a gigantic lack of housing. The government built much public housing to try and overcome this problem and is still being pushed by residents today to make much more public housing available. Overall, Hong Kong can be broken into three distinct areas which differ in their degree of establishment and real estate value. For a 500 square foot family apartment, about 46 square meters, it would take the average family 21 years to save up for one. The least developed area, the New Territories region, sees a price tag of around 7 million Hong Kong dollars, about 900,000 US dollars. This region is the closest to mainland China. Kowloon is our second region, a tag of around 8.5 million Hong Kong dollars, which is about 1.1 million US dollars. This region is also connected to the New Territories and the mainland, but sits more south of the New Territories. And finally, the most established area, Hong Kong Island, would see a price tag of around 10 million Hong Kong dollars, about 1.3 million US dollars. This region is south from Kowloon and is separated by a harbor. It's the most westernized as it was the original foothold of the British in Hong Kong and has trams whereas Kowloon does not. Now, let's turn to look at real estate performance. In terms of past performance, real estate in Hong Kong has seen a 275% increase over the past 13 years, i.e. since the time after the GFC to now, or 165% after adjusting for inflation. Now, in terms of future projected performance, it was expected late last year that the market would fall a few percentage points over the first few months of the year before making a full recovery by the end of the year. However, the Hong Kong market has proved to be much more resilient and is projected to remain flat over this coming year, all in all. The main risk factor is prolonged lockdowns. Now, let's look at a key demand factor that's in play at the moment. Low interest rates are keeping demand strong. Bit of a backstory, Hong Kong's currency is pegged to the US dollar. This means that its monetary, i.e. its interest rate policy, follows closely the policy of the US Federal Reserve. 
Now, what does that mean going forward? Given the inflation is getting a bit out of control in the US and also around the world, and the Federal Reserve in the US will probably continue increasing its rates to bring it under control, it's also likely that interest rates will rise in Hong Kong to follow, although at a slower pace. What about the supply side? The most salient factor is land supply. Only 25% of Hong Kong is developed. The main issue is in terms of how much land the government chooses to release each year. At the moment, the land shortage is at least 1,200 hectares, the size of 60 Victoria parks. Now, here's the issue. This land shortage is unlikely to be resolved by the government because they see the majority of their revenue come through stamp duty collection. A drop in real estate values would only hurt government coffers. Now, there's also other areas where Hong Kong's land is being tied up. Firstly, there is the small house policy. So 20% of urban space in Hong Kong is held up due to this policy, which grants indigenous villages a grant to build their own house. Now, as you can imagine, this is totally unsustainable in the long term as future generations of these indigenous villages come about. Secondly, there is rural land hoarding by developers. In the new territories, there is about 1,000 hectares of agricultural land, around 100 million square feet. Developers claim that there is inadequate transport infrastructure in place for the land to be developed yet. The government has, though, started seizing some of this land. Thirdly, another place where land is being tied up in Hong Kong is simply the natural geographical limitations of the city. The mountainous nature of Hong Kong, primarily. There has, however, been a project announced called Lantau Tomorrow Vision with an ambitious mission of housing 1.1 million people by making three man-made islands in the South China Sea. Now, Hong Kong isn't new to land development and reclamation. Currently, reclaimed land houses 27% of the population and 70% of business activities. Thank you so much for listening. Now, if you want the more summary slash visual version of today's topic, please see the link in the episode description, which will take you to the YouTube video, which I made on the topic. Now, if you like this episode, please consider subscribing to the podcast. And finally, if you have any topic that you want me to cover, hit me up on the Manraj Ninja Show on Facebook page, and I'll seriously consider doing it. Thank you.